0: At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Oh my gosh, I love that opening. Every time I do that opening of our show, I get to watch the camera of our guests going, Are you talking about me? It's like, no, I'm not talking about you. It's just the other guy. Um, we do have some great things on the show today. Welcome to the show. My name is Doug Crow, all of your brand show, and you're going to want to take notes. Our guest today, oh my gosh, great, great background, decades of experience in financial advice for individuals and families since 1986, maybe before some of you were born. Uh, so after starting his career with a large firm, he felt were, you know, maybe the products were limited, the services were not always available. He made a decision, like a lot of entrepreneurs, to form his own registered investment advisory, RIA firm. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, and that gave him the freedom to offer holistic, objective advice that he believes his clients need and deserve. And we're going to talk about this today because he's got a book about it. So welcome to the show today, my guest, Mr. Jeff Bernier. Well,
1: How are you thank doing? You. Thank you, Doug. Doing doing great. I, I loved your opening too. Um, you know, in the work that I do, uh, we talk a lot about how to make healthy investment decisions. Yeah. And so when he when he mentioned that you haven't had one rational thought, um, <laughs> oftentimes we, we invest emotionally yes. uh, and not
0: and not rationally. So that, that, right. is, that hit close to home. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So we're gonna get into the meat here in a minute. And the meat's going to be really about a lot of our clients and friends and people watching the show or in, in midlife and it's a whole new chapter of what do I do now? I might be retiring soon. Do I have enough money? Is my mindset right? We're going to get to that in a second and have some great ideas for our audience about the six major challenges that you figured out how to help people overcome and navigate around. But before we do, I want to know about you, how you got involved in the, uh, the financial planning industry.
1: Well, I was I was really fortunate. I, I grew up in a great home in a small town in South Georgia, and my dad was... Well, oh, I thought you were new
0: from New York with that accent. Really? <laughs> Georgia, amazing.
1: Yeah, I know. It, it shocks people. Uh, and my dad was George Bailey, if you know who George Bailey is. Uh, so he was the character in A Wonderful Life. He was right, like right. a hometown banker. So I was influenced by him. Uh, went to the University of Georgia and got a degree in finance. Yeah. And met a, met a gentleman who was a certified financial planner when I was in college, and just yeah. decided that's what I wanted to do. So I got really, I got really lucky, and started yeah. in this industry uh, April Fool's Day, 1986. <laughs>
0: Hopefully that's not a sign. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's not. You've done well with yourself. So we're going to get to the major challenges here and how you help people overcome them. Before we do, um, why is it um why do people face these things? What is going on in our culture or society where um there should be this should be an easy transition, but it seems to be more stress for a lot of people. Why is that?
1: Well, I mean, we as we build our lives, I mean, we're just busy. And we spend the first, you know f- fourth of our lives trying to get educated and try right. to build capability. Um, I mean, I've heard people talk about like a football game. So that first quarter you're building your capability. And then the middle two quarters are generally uh, earning and saving quarters, where you build yeah. up some financial resources. But what happens again, is many people as they start having success, both worldly success and building, Mm -hmm. portfolios and get titles and um, career success and beach houses and second home and uh, big cars and big homes and they educate their children. At some point you psychologically get to a point where you begin to wonder, is this all there is? Mm -hmm. And it can be a really, a really challenging time. So what I've tried to do in my work is try to combine deep discovery around what matters most Mm -hmm. and then try to apply um highly technical excellent wealth management advice to help create the capacity to go pursue your vision of what yeah. matters most but we're hit again with the challenging times because again we're not we don't have pension plans like our parents had yep. or our grandparents had you know right. we were we are concerned about um, you know, government benefits like social security and Medicare and all those kind of things, even, even being around. So there's right. just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of challenges.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of unknowns out there. So you mentioned earlier, there's uh six major challenges of midlife and people transitioning from where they are to no paycheck. Do you want to go through the six challenges and tell us what they are and how you navigate them? Y-
1: yeah. So it, we, we live in a, at a really challenging time as we prepare mm-hmm. for this, for, you know, for these seasons and, yeah. The first one I would say is that um, the future will not be identical to the past. And if we take historical returns of the major investment classes and extrapolate those going forward, we may be making a major mistake Mm. because we may be at least in a uh, secular time period where expected returns are lower. So that's one lower returns in um, traditional financial assets. Mm -hmm. So we have to be prepared for potentially a lower expected return world. The second one is uh, similar to that. And even Mm -hmm. though interest rates have gone up over the last year, as your listeners probably well know, uh, if they've tried to refinance their mortgage or buy a house, um, yields on bonds are still historically low. Mm -hmm. So we've got low returns in uh, equity-linked investments, including real estate. Yep. uh we've got lower returns or yields in bonds mm-hmm. the third one is a blessing and a curse all at the same time and that is we're just living longer yeah right so right we, we're retiring earlier and living longer so my typical 60 year old couple that's retiring at age 60 yeah. you know they, they've got to plan on 30 to 35 years of potential life expectancy sure. so right. another challenge is just longevity right life expectancy yeah. I alluded to another one when I talked about government programs. I mean, uh-huh. you know, is is for the for your younger or, or mid-career uh, listener, there's some questions on what government what a social security might look like 20 years uh-huh. from now 30 years from now. That's right. So the confidence in government and government programs. And yeah. then the last one that I'll just well, in healthcare costs. I mean, I guess that's not the last one. Healthcare costs are obviously a big, a big issue as we right, right. age. And then the last one, uh, it kind of alludes to what I mentioned before about your intro with rational versus emotional, yes. mm-hmm. and that is we've lived through uh, a couple of really severe bear markets here uh, since, you know, since the tech bubble burst. I mean, we had the sure, chart sure. bubble, we had the Great Recession, of course, we mm-hmm. had the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so many people are making behavioral mistakes uh. with, their, with their investments that they may, may never recover from. So the last one is just uh, a unprepared uh, investor may be making behavioral mistakes that they may not be able to recover from. So those are mm. some of the challenges that we have
0: to deal with as we wow. as we build a plan. Well, let's let's cover the the, the easy ones first, if, if that's if that is an easy one. But you mentioned really something really wise that the, you know the past does not predict the future, right? Things could obviously the pandemic showed us that you can't depend on you know, past performance, is no assurance of future. That's Um, right. And I keep, you know, think about the, you know, inflation, the printing all this money up, like, where is this going? Are we going to have buckets of wheelbarrows of cash like Venezuela and and Germany in in the 20s? I mean, uh, how do you hedge? How do you what do you do to hedge for that kind of stuff, that kind of uh, severe thinking?
1: Well, I I think it's important to have a general idea how we got here is kind of some of the points you just made. I mean, um, economic growth really since the year, since roughly 2000, Mm -hmm. has been slow historically. So for the first 150 years or so, economic growth uh, was much faster than it's been since 2000. So Mm -hmm. since 2000, central banks uh, have been trying to prime the pump all over the Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, then we had the Great Recession. And so uh, the, the Federal Reserve and central banks all over the world instituted non-conventional monetary policy to try to keep us to keep the patient who was in the emergency room in the intensive care unit from dying and because of that they again instituted a lot of non-traditional monetary policy and Mm -hmm. since that time it's continued and then of course um so for the last 10 or 15 years we had had, we've had artificially low interest rates yes and that's been yeah and that's been really good for those of us that own financial assets yeah. Uh, in, and yeah. in, in, in real estate, I mean, it means our portfolios or our real estate much more valuable sure. than it likely would have been mm-hmm. had we had more uh, less accommodative monetary policy. Right. But the problem today is now we've got these asset prices that are high and now you've got lower expected returns because mm-hmm. we front loaded a lot of the growth, if you will. Yeah. Right. And now the Federal Reserve is trying to normalize and take the punch bowl away. Because it's created this massive inflation problem, mm-hmm. but the but the simple answer to your question is clients are going to have to make some difficult choices. Uh, so there's no free lunch. So in order to get higher returns, you've got to accept more uncertainty. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no there's mm-hmm. no way you know that you can't get high returns with less uncertainty. So sure. my typical client is likely to have to have to either appreciate or, or get comfortable with strategies that have more volatility to meet to get the same rate of return or the thing that nobody really wants to do
0: is manage their wants so yeah. manage what you manage what you need yeah um, that's why I like what you said about being holistic it's not just about the the money it's about your attitude and beliefs and things that go with that right that's yeah important.
1: it's it's the, and it's all interrelated you know when you're yeah. when you're talking about the behavioral challenges and you're talking about mm-hmm. the the inflation challenge, uh, you know, it is all interrelated. Like, you know, occasionally people will say, look, I want to buy guaranteed income products. And those are fine. Uh, if you want to guarantee income over mm-hmm. a long period of time, that may be suitable for some people. Sure. But those same individuals uh, are reluctant to let, delay social security.
0: Yeah.
1: And if you're trying to have the best hedge out there, is to wait and take social security at 70 instead of yeah. 62
0: Sure.
1: Uh, as an example um, mm-hmm. but but the long answer is you've got to own asset classes that have, have historically given you a real return over inflation and that is equity-based investments either real estate businesses or public securities
0: right so that's a great one so yeah because uh you know every time i look at like you know mutual funds and stocks i'm like i don't know I mean, it looks okay, but I know it's there's just a lot of manipulation going on. Like I don't know what's going. You know, no one's really coming, But uh, equity makes more sense to me when it comes to yeah, businesses and and real estate, and whatnot. How can a typical investor, uh, middle middle income America, invest in uh, in any of the non traditional assets like that, equity based stuff?
1: Yeah, well, this is where I'm, I might be different than some of my peers. Is yeah. I believe that most investors shouldn't be in quote, non-traditional asset classes, okay. um, th- because most of them are too expensive uh-huh. uh, and it relies on active management. Right. And uh, the, so we employ what I would call evidence based investing. So we're hmm. using uh, strategies that are peer reviewed, academic researched, and the academic literature indicates that active management over time uh, hasn't added enough value to cover their cost. Oh, wow. Uh now, um, again, if you if you want to take the risk to be a shareholder and a business, a small business, I mean, yeah. I think that's that's great long yeah. as you understand the risk, because most yep. small businesses fail. Right. But I but I believe that our clients will likely meet their goals
0: mm-hmm. if
1: they can capture uh, the, the the returns that the markets provide. But there are factors that can give you higher expected returns. So, you can get higher expected returns by tilting to things like smaller cap companies, smaller mm-hmm. companies as opposed to large companies. Yep. Um, more value as opposed to growth, mm-hmm. stocks, mm-hmm. Uh, and then more profitable companies relative to less profitable companies.
0: Right. So, yeah.
1: there are things you can do in public equities that can increase your expected returns, but it's not a free lunch. Yeah. Because
0: there, right. is
1: more, there is more risk.
0: There's more risk with, uh, with the smaller companies. Correct. Yeah. So there are
1: several. Correct. So if you look at the market, if you look at the public markets, there are various premiums that you receive for accepting Mm -hmm. different types of risk. So you you get the You get the market premium just by owning stocks instead of cash or bonds. So that's the market premium. And that's a reliable premium, but you but you're taking more volatility. Mm. There's also a there's also a small cap premium which is to say over time, smaller companies have historically given you higher returns than larger companies. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because they're riskier. You're getting yeah. compensated for taking more risk, So that's the small cap premium. Mm-hmm. There's also a value premium. Those right. stocks in other asset classes is just not limited to stocks yeah. that have low prices relative to fundamentals have historically also given you higher returns. But yeah. again, It's not a free lunch, right? You're getting, you're getting the higher return because these value companies have low prices for a reason. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. They're either not popular or they've got some, some challenges. Yeah. So that's the, that's the value premium. Uh, There's, there's also a profitability premium. Now this one sounds counterintuitive. Uh, it it sounds counterintuitive why you should be rewarded for it. Let me rephrase that. Okay. It makes perfect sense that if you own companies that are more profitable, you should do better than owning companies that are less profitable. Yeah. Well, you and I both infer that. That seems like common sense to us. Sure. Well, if the market knows it, mm. it ought to already be in the price. Yeah. And you shouldn't be rewarded for it. But in reality, you are real rewarded for it. So you get high returns wow. for owning more profitable companies. And then the la- there are other factors, but the last yeah. one that we think is important is there is short term momentum. So mm-hmm. you can also profit by owning things that have gone up recently. And that's really mm-hmm. a behavioral reason, most likely. Investors are slow to react.
0: Yeah. Uh, what would be an example uh, of that?
1: Well, when you look at stocks that have done well recently, so mm-hmm. over the last 12 months,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, the academic evidence indicates that those stocks continue to do well, even though they've gotten expensive because of some, some positive momentum.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: And securities that have done poorly recently continue to do poorly over yeah. a period of time. So it's it's really kind of a trend following.
0: And right. what's
1: important to know about that mm-hmm. is uh it's it that is almost all behavioral mm-hmm. because investors are slow to react to news. So they'll continue to own large growth tech stocks as right. an example, because we yeah. just had we had a tech run yep. from 2015 through 2020 or 21. Right. And you know, that's that's changed recently but investors are slow to react. And so uh, the only the only point I'm making is there are ways that you can improve upon a market cap weighted index that you can improve expected
0: returns. So that's that's really the general idea on on some okay. of those factors. I like that. So when it comes to the um the opportunities so let's talk about um somebody's like hey I want to start start investing I, I know you know big disclaimer here okay Jeff is not giving you investment advice on this show. Doug is asking some very general questions, so I understand the compliance right. issues here. Right. But in terms of, like, new technologies, like the AI machine learning robotics thing, electric cars, um, I keep thinking, like, well, there's, like, you know, the Gold Rush and the people sold them picks and shovels. And the guys that sold picks and shovels usually did, you know, did make as much, but it was much more secure. Are there opportunities in this emerging technological Stuff is going on right now in that arena where they're just somebody who's building the AI stuff or robots?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm certain that there are. Mm-hmm. But the problem is um, most of us won't know about them till much later. Yeah. And most of it that's public that we know about is it's right. already in the it's already in the price. Yeah. So no once deals. the market once the market knows about these advancing technologies it's already in the price and it's going to be difficult to get excess returns from it and so i think it's i think what uh i would be i would caution investors on is the first thing you've got to do Mm -hmm. is determine what your philosophy is
0: yep
1: um you know wall street is a dangerous place to try to figure out your philosophy so what i would encourage people to do is read about various investment philosophies and find one that makes sense yeah. to you. And because the most important thing is find a philosophy that makes sense to you, mm-hmm. that you can stick with. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's the, that's the problem. And our philosophy is that markets are largely efficient.
0: Yeah. And so
1: yeah. our opinion is you should invest as, as if markets are efficient because we believe our clients will meet their goals if we, if we can at least capture what markets deliver in a low cost uh, tax efficient way. Yeah, and trying to
0: speculate on the hot new thing, I think is dangerous for many people. That makes a lot of sense because the smart people that are are pulling those strings, and you're you're not going to get ahead of them. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you got a book out before we close the show. Up, let's talk about your book for a second. You got a copy handy or not? Got- uh, yeah, sure do. Yeah, it's called it the uh, Yeah,
1: it's called the Money and Meaning Journey, a guide. Hey, oh. yeah, I might be I may be reversed here, but it's called the Money and Meaning Journey. A guide, uh, guide to Clarity, uh, Financial Confidence, and Joy. Uh-huh. And, it, and it's really all about how to go, uh, how, to, how to make the second act of your life the best act.
0: Nice.
1: Uh, by, and it's, there's really three parts to the book. The first mm-hmm. part, it kind of digs in to these challenges right. that my hero, this mid to late career executive is facing. Yeah. The middle part of the book is a workshop. Um, three chapters, it kind of works you through trying to figure yeah. out your purpose, uh, your context, uh, and how to build capacity. And the last half of the book is
0: a wealth management toolbox. If you will. Nice. Great. Very good. Any, um, any quotes or words of wisdom before we close the show out today to tell people how to not lose their butt in the market. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess what I would say
1: is I'll just leave you with, you know, human, human nature is a failed investor. Yeah. And so try don't to react to markets. So build a financial plan based on your goals and objectives and certainly think long term. I think that would be that would be helpful. And um, if you'd like to learn more about about me in the book, you can you can find the book at all the major retailers, Mm -hmm. um, Amazon and so forth. uh, And also at JeffBernierAuthor.com. And you can find me and our firm at TandemGrowth.com if you have any more.
0: And all those links are below here, folks. So look at the oh, show sure. notes below. All the links are there. Get Jeff's book. And if you need some financial advice, he's your guy. Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show today. Appreciate it. Enjoy being with you. Thank you, Doug. You that concludes another episode of the Off Your Brand Show with another slightly famous author with some great information. Check out the show notes below. And if you're inclined, please get his book. Thank you very much. Until next time, this is your host, Doug Crow.